Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi on a Tuesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey as well. Three of the four of us are in the same place today. It's one of those rare occasions where we're all kind of in the same spot. We're glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. What exactly does that mean? Well, if, uh, if land financing is what you need then Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land for over 100 years. They're servicing the northern northern 32 counties in the state of Mississippi, whether it's actually buying a piece of land, it's a loan for a piece of equipment, maybe refinancing an existing loan, whatever it is, as it relates to land, Mississippi Land Bank can help. Their website, mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. We got a bunch to get to this afternoon, and we are—we're uh, glad to have you along. Everybody, say hello, Borky. What's up? Hey, what is that noise? You hear that in the background? I do hear that. Yes. Rippy, turn down the television. Uh, TV's not on. There are. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's just me. Well, then shut the door to the office. <laughs> it I is forgot shut. he was there. I was—I was thinking, oh, what am I doing wrong no, in here? No, uh, no. Uh, happy Tuesday, guys. Everything good? Everything is great. No, no trouble on the uh, the drive from Starkville to Jackson today? None. None. And it was actually a drive from Starkville to Vicksburg and then back into Jackson. Oh, really? Yeah. A few extra miles on the wheels. Yes, indeed. There you go. Um, so the, the story that has grabbed the headlines really for the last 24 hours in the state of Mississippi is uh, the one around the hiring, potential hiring, of an offensive coordinator at Southern Miss. We talked a good bit yesterday about, uh, about Jay Hobson and the potential of hiring Art Bryles as the offensive coordinator. I was, um, how would you describe my reaction yesterday? Strong? Strong would be a, a, a yes. Yeah, I was pretty impassioned, forced, pretty forceful and pretty impassioned in the opinions that I gave yesterday. And those were initial thoughts, initial opinions. Here, here's what I'll say. I, I have spent a lot of time in the last 20 or so hours thinking about this issue and talking about it. Long conversation with my, with my wife at dinner last night, um, just kind of about all the different variables that go into this. I've talked to a bunch of people today uh, that are tied to it, and here's what I'm willing to say. You, you, you know when you were still in college and you had Facebook and there was the relationship status button, and you could either put that you were single, or you were in a relationship, or you were married, and then there was the option for, it's complicated. 
I think it's complicated may be the best way to describe the Art Bryles situation. There is an ongoing NCAA investigation into what happened at, Bry- at, uh, at Baylor. We know that. There's an ongoing Title IX investigation with regard to what happened at Baylor. There were, at best, some really poor decisions that were made at Baylor, and we know that there have been five settlements to Title IX lawsuits regarding all that was going on at Baylor. The question then becomes, can you explain some of those things? What did Art Bryles know? When did he know it? How did he handle those things? And is Southern Miss the right spot for him to reemerge as a football coach, as an offensive coordinator? So I think all of those questions are on, on the, the table. And, and to me, the thing that's really interesting about this is you have you got a couple of scenarios. One, you can react immediately, and you can love the idea or you can hate the idea. Or two, you can really dig a lot deeper. And digging a lot deeper is not something that a lot of people have time for in the Twitter soundbite, read a headline and make an opinion world that we live in. To some degree, I am guilty of, through the stories that I've read and headlines, kind of gauging my reaction yesterday. So what did I do? I reached out to a guy who did something a whole lot better than that. Has really, really dug in to the Art Bryles at Baylor story. That guy is Mac Engel. He is a columnist at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Uh, has been a friend for, I don't know, nearly a decade. A friend through the radio. And Mac, I appreciate you spending a few minutes of time with me this afternoon. Mac Engel on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. So when I called you earlier today, it was really to, to kind of gain some background. And I, I guess I would start with just a really big question of if you were in the position of Jay Hobson at Southern Miss, how comfortable would you feel hiring Art Bryles as an offensive coordinator? I'd do it. And I, I don't say that, you know, as some sort of empty headline-grabbing rhetoric. I, I thought that Texas Tech should have hired him. I thought that Houston should have hired him uh, when it parted ways with Major Applewhite. I really thought Texas Tech was the best place for him, but uh, I'd hire him. And I don't say that lightly, and I don't say that as a person who is just looking for some, hey, he's just a shock jock looking for attention. I, I say this as someone who has talked to virtually all of the big players involved in that Baylor fiasco involved and read everything and taken everything into account and get a, got a much better feel for this. I would have no problem doing it. I understand that it would be a very, very difficult decision to make, and if that's what Southern Miss does, it's going to be a tough week. But it will end, and I think what's paramount for Art Bryles eventually is that he's got to tell his side of this. He hasn't done that yet. He really hasn't done it, and eventually he has to do that. And I think it's not going to change everybody's mind. It just won't. There's just going to be people out there who are convinced he is you know, the right coach, and that's it. But I think if anybody can be um, patient and take everything into consideration, then they will see a guy who did make some make some mistakes and was accountable for the state of his program. And while I think Bayer was justified in firing him, the explanations and some of the other behaviors 
and some of the other facts that have come out since that decision to fire him in May of 16 have given me an indication that he certainly it would be worthy of a second chance to be a head coach someplace else. Mac, if I had asked you the exact same question 18 months ago, would your response have been different at that point? 18 months ago, so that would have been, yeah, it would have been. Uh, yeah, I, it, after he was fired in 16, in May of 16, which I saw coming, I, I had been told by a member of the Board of Regents that, that that decision was on the table. I didn't think they would do it. I just didn't think they would do it. Uh, but I, I, about a year later, I guess 17, I started to talk to some people and started to get have some conversations that gave me a better, more complete picture of what exactly all went down. And that I don't think he was the primary target for the Board of Regents at Baylor University to fire. I think their desired destination to remove was President Ken Starr, who a lot of people know because he was the prosecutor who went after the Clintons in the 90s, and he right. was the Baylor president for a number of years. So uh, Art Bliles, I understand, and I, I don't think any better any member of the Baylor Board of Regents has to apologize in making the decision to fire him. The part that I think is confusing is on one side of the mouth, they will scapegoat him, and on the other side, they have exonerated him and given him $18 million. That's a little confusing. And then they have also vouched for every member of his staff as they went out to try to get other jobs, which they all did. They all did. They all went out and got other jobs. Now, sometimes those notes were criticized. Kendall Bryles, his son, was hired by Houston. There's a lot of criticism there. Florida State has hired him as their offensive coordinator now. There's criticism there because everybody is, is, is just sure that given the allegations that existed, uh, four members of this football team, that they're all guilty of looking the other way and suppressing rape allegations in order to win a game. And that's an easy narrative. It is. Look, there are a lot of guys who get accused of some really bad things on that program a lot, and there's no way around that. Here's the tricky part, and that doesn't exonerate anybody, but here's the tricky part. We've had, since then, if you, if you put all of these things in their proper timeline of events, 2008, 2009, 10, 11, it's not like they all occurred five minutes apart. I'm not, I'm not saying any of this is right. I'm just saying when you look at all of it and consume it the way it should be consumed over the proper period of time that these events occurred, you could probably look at those things and see similar timelines at other major programs. My criticism of Art was I thought he took too many risks in trying to turn that program around. And you and I both know if you're going to flip a program that's been bad, and Baylor was one, Baylor might have been the worst Power Five job yeah. since the Power Five sort of formed in the mid-'90s. Baylor might have been the worst. Uh, he took a lot of risks, and he took on a lot of transfers, and that's dicey. When you do that, you are rolling the dice. Today, not so much because everybody transfers. But for a long period of time, if you were taking on transfers, those guys are transferring for a reason. And a hey, lot of times it's hey, not Mac, clear. I think, Mac, Mac yeah. sit tight for a second. We've got a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to continue this conversation. And i got a bunch of questions that I want to get to okay. with you as well. That's Mac Engel, Fort Worth Star, Telegram columnist there. We're talking about Art Bryles and his time at Baylor. Your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Tuesday afternoon, back with you on the Farm Bureau phone line. It's Matt, uh, phone line, Mac Ingle from the Fort Worth Star Telegram. When I tell you, Mac spent a lot of time. I'm talking about years covering Art Briles, digging into this story, going through all of the allegations, all of the things that were happening. And Mac's kind enough to spend some time with us this afternoon. Why are we talking about Art Briles? Well, if you are just joining us or you've been under a rock for the last couple of days, uh, it appears as if Jay Hobson is getting set to hire Art Briles as the offensive coordinator at Southern Miss. Uh, I tweeted earlier this afternoon that sources told me there was a uh, an unofficial team meeting last night in which Art Briles was introduced to at least part of the Southern Miss football team. Um, you know, you go with sources you trust. If that's true or not, I guess we'll find out eventually. Mac, here, here's where I really want to get, because I think I am like a lot of people in that you say, Art Briles and Baylor, what do you know? And what I know is 31 players, 52 incidents involving either sexual assault or rape, two gang rapes, and the coaching staff covered it up. That's what I think I know based on headlines, tweets, reading here or there. How much of that is accurate? How much of that is not accurate? And I guess ultimately, why when I ask you the question, would you feel comfortable hiring Art Bryles, is your answer, yes, I would feel comfortable? Well, the headline is accurate, and the fact that it was written, and those allegations were made by a lawyer and I remember when all of this started in the fall of 2015 when Texas Monthly wrote a long report about a defensive end, a transfer from Boise State named Sam Kawachu, who was not on the team but a part of the program because he was on trial for sexual assault. And he was, he was convicted. But his sentence was a suspended sentence by the jury. And at that time, a friend of mine who was a Baylor grad said, Give this six months, and there will be lawyers lined up from here to California with lawsuits. And he was right, and that's exactly what happened. Um, there's nothing really good about this, and I think what you need to know is that lawyers did their job. Do we know if those allegations were true? Virtually all of the cases that had been brought forth towards Baylor which started when it hit the fan about that after that case, the Sam Kawachu case, mm-hmm. um, have been settled out of court. There are about 10 or 12 remaining there, Jane Doe cases, and it is not a good look for Baylor. Um, the lawyer in town down in Waco, which is about 90 minutes south, south of Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, has been very persistent about trying to get Baylor to be more transparent. In, in how they handled these cases and how they didn't handle these cases. Most of these have nothing to do with the athletic department. Is it so, fair, by the way, for me to ask, the, those settlements mean that Baylor... So I said yesterday, if a, if a case settles, if a lawsuit settles, it's for one of three reasons. One, you're guilty. Two, you're trying to mitigate risk. Or three, you just want it to go away. I think those are really the only three reasons. So... I don't know that with an army of lawyers, you're just trying to make it go away. So is Baylor either mitigating risk or they believe they're guilty, and that's why they're settling? Um, I, that's, that's a really good point to bring up. I think that Baylor's, Baylor made a decision in May of 16 to say, this is over. We're going to embrace more than 100 new changes and improvements in Title IX, which it had been inadequate. 
and we're going to move on from this as quickly as possible because Baylor ultimately is a business, right? It is. It's a private university. That's a sure. business. And what they didn't want anymore was any more damage done to the Baylor brand that all this negative publicity created. I don't even know how much I don't even know how much damage really had been done, quite frankly, but enough to make them worry about it. So their their motivation was we need we need this to stop. So fifty thousand dollars, a hundred. I don't know. It was it was done. It was done privately. It's a private school. They don't have to announce any of that. Um, and, and I do think to Baylor's credit, this hasn't been perfect. This has not been perfect. There, there were sexual charges recently at Baylor University, and if, if you look at considering how they've handled them. There's some concern there. I don't think bad people are at Baylor University by any stretch of imagination. I think what you had is a mindset of a of a small what had been a small Baptist. It's the largest Baptist university in the world, but it is private. A small school that was trying to go big time. A small school that was trying to go big time in athletics, and more importantly, to be ranked in the top 50 according to the U.S. News and World Report, which anybody in academics will tell you is worth a fortune to a school. Well, that's great, and those are great aspirations to have, but this is also a university that espoused uh, basically don't talk, don't tell, or don't, don't ask, don't tell about premarital sex. College kids, right? College kids. If they well, going and to and I wanna, I'd like to share something that you and I talked about earlier today, uh, because I don't want this to get lost. When you're talking about a university that doesn't want to talk about premarital sex when you're talking about 18 to 22 year olds what do you expect the university's reaction to be when you're talking about rape and sexual violence absolutely absolutely and it was just a very difficult conversation for a lot of those people to have and uh, and if if you looked at it as a university as a whole the problem of reporting and handling sexual assault claims was wholly inadequate and outdated it was and it wasn't, so it wasn't just an athletic department problem. There were issues there. Sure. The problem was, and why I thought it was okay to fire Art Briles, was, listen, if the university, if, if your university has problems everywhere in your house, including the front porch, and the guy on your front porch is the head football coach, he's got to go. Right? He just does. He was the highest paid employee at the university. A lot of people didn't like that there. But it, to, to sit here and say he was the only problem, and the same problem was going on in the living room, the den, the kitchen, the bathroom, the backyard, wherever else. Well, that's a little bit ridiculous. Ultimately, it was his problem. It was his program, and he was responsible. And he would tell you, Captain's got to go down to the ship. I get it. The problem that he had was he felt that he was singled out for what was a university-wide problem. And I think he is right on that. I'd hire him. But I don't think he's perfect. I think he's he's got a, a significant blind spot to cover up. And I think he's smart enough to work on it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think to, to label him as a guy who enabled and cultivated a culture of rape is wildly inaccurate and, quite frankly, mean. I, I would agree with that, to, to say that he enabled and cultivated a, a culture of rape. I, I think that's probably unfair. Here's the question I've got, though. Did he help cover up that culture that existed, whether it was his creation or not? To me, that's ultimately where it, the rubber meets the road for me. Is this a guy who knowingly, wittingly helped cover up rape charges or sexual assault charges, or are we to believe that he had no idea any of this was happening? 
everyone I had talked to, because I, I, I always said, to my, I said to myself, if I'm going to say Art Browns deserves a second chance, everybody I talked to off the record about this, I grilled. I said, you better not make me look stupid on this. This isn't a joke, right? It's one thing to sit there and, and talk about pro or college sports and say, yeah, you should trade for this guy, trade for Anthony Davis or whatever else. He's sure. a great guy, whatever. This is a different issue completely. And everyone came back and said the same thing, including new members of the administration who had the benefit of going back and seeing everything. They all said the same thing. Once he knew, once he was aware of it, none of these guys played. And that was the big question. Now, the Sam Kuwacha one, the guy earned his college degree. He run practices, but he earned his degree. And Phil Bennett, the defensive coordinator, said, for as we know, he's going to be with us in the fall. And the guy was convicted, I don't know, six, two, six weeks later. I mean, there were some things on there. You're like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what are you saying? You can't say that. And even Phil, who I like Phil a lot, and I had a long conversation with him last summer at his house in College Station, was a longtime college defensive coordinator. He laid it all out. And, and he was, at this point, he's retired. He had no problem being honest. He's not afraid of anything. He's got plenty of money. And he laid it all out. I, I do think the one, you know, he said they should have separated themselves from him Sam Bukawachu when that trial was going on, and they were a little bit, they were blind and naive to it. Um, there are a lot of other particulars, but here, here is ultimately one of the things which is that you have to be very mindful of when it comes to sexual assault claims. If you look at the statistics, more victims don't come forward than do. Hmm. Okay, so if that's the case, what's what else going is on? Out there? I mean, could, it, could it be even worse? Um, you hear all these explanations of, well, is this, well, is that, well... And it's, it's, it's a heartbreaking thing. I've known Art Browns for a long time. He was a high school football coach, known his family. I don't believe that this was a guy who sat there and said, I don't care about it. You know, go, go do whatever you want. Just be here on Saturday and win football games. I don't think he's wired that way. I, I think he was naive to the responsibilities and the visibility of a highly successful Power 5 football coach. Um, I think his staff didn't always handle discipline great. Uh, ultimately, is a reflection of him, whether he wants to admit it or not. I say that respectfully. But I don't think this is a bad human being who takes rape uh, and sexual assault lightly. I don't think so. And I, I, if I had if I had a son and played for Car- our, our Bryles, I'd, I'd do it. Okay. I think at the end of the day, what he really is, and what everybody needs in Mississippi and every place else, he needs to know he's a football coach. A successful football coach. Mac, football we're out of time. I, I really appreciate your insight today. Thanks, buddy. Okay, anytime. It's Mac Engel. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Mac Engel from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. That website's simple, favorites.com. Go in there, type in your zip code. It will give you the option to get a quote on home insurance or auto insurance, or you can bundle the two together to save money. And the best part is you're dealing with people that you already know, local agents in your community, in your county, in your city, who are people that you go to church with or you cook out with on the weekends or you bump into at the ballpark or you see at the grocery store. Just People just like you. 
just happened to be selling insurance, and they happened to uh, be working at Farm Bureau, and uh, they're good people. Mississippi Farm Bureau, that's why we tell you every single day to go with the home team. So, a lot to unpack, I think, from the conversation with Mac Engel. And what I said kind of to begin things today was, you know, my, my reaction yesterday when we first talked about this story was, was extremely passionate. And I don't know that my overall position has changed. I don't think that Southern Miss should hire Art Bryles to be its offensive coordinator. But I am certainly willing to concede that there are a bunch of layers to this story and that there can be two sides to a story. Regardless of how difficult it is to digest a story, there can be two sides to a story. And I am open to hearing the entire story. But based on what we know and what we think we know, it's really hard for me to wrap my mind around the idea and certainly hard for me to endorse the idea of hiring Art Bryles. Guys, hey, Dad, what do you think? I'm with you on I wouldn't hire Art Bryles. I, I do also I do know that there will come a day where he gets another job in football. He's not going to be selling insurance in five years. He's he's going to get back in the coaching game. He's too good a coach, you know. And sort of what you talked about yesterday, that you know when you are a winner and you can win games, people are going to hire you despite any of your own personal failings. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, I, th- I think it's a bad look for USM. But at the same time, man, USM football they need something, man. They need something. They they. They need a lifeline, and if Art Bryles can be that for them, and he's and he hasn't, you know, changed his ways and can get a second chance, you know, being at Mississippi State, you know, with Jeffrey Simmons, that's a guy who got a second chance for a, for a bad deal, and he made the most of it. And it's not the same situation, obviously, not even close. But it, it, I saw a guy take advantage of a second chance and come out on the other end a better person of it. Maybe that can happen for Art Bryles. Rippy? Yeah, I think this is going to be a disaster. I mean, the, the idea that the guy didn't actively try to, like, help cover some of this up is just lunacy. There's text messages and documents to prove it. So I, I don't even really get what we're talking about here. Um, story from SB Nation. Stuart Mandel tweeted yesterday, in case Southern Miss needs the help, here's a little refresher on Art Bryles' approach to accusations against his players. And it's an excerpt from a story with dates and timestamps, well, not timestamps, but text messages back and forth between Bryles and an assistant coach on how to deal with an allegation. This from September 13, 2013. Schilling Law sent a, co- a text to Coach Bryles about a player who got a massage and, quote, supposedly exposed himself and asked for favors. She, masseuse, has a lawyer but wants us to handle with discipline and counseling. Coach Bryles' first response was, what kind of discipline? She a stripper? When Schilling Law said the player made the request at a salon and spa while getting a massage, Coach Bryles wrote, not quite as bad. A week later, 
after a player was arrested for assault and threatening to kill a non-athlete. A football operations staff official tried to talk the victim out of pressing charges. Meanwhile, Coach Bryles texted Athletics Director Ian McCall, just talked to fill-in-the-blank player. He said Waco PD was there, said they were going to keep it quiet. Wasn't a setup deal. I'll get Schilling Law to check on Sibley, a local attorney. Athletics Director Ian McCall replied, that would be great if they kept it quiet. I'm not going to go through all of these. Here's just... Whether there is direct evidence of a cover-up or an attempted cover-up, and you can we can debate back and forth whether or not those text messages are incriminating and whether that's you know actually a cover-up. Can you get comfortable with this? If you're a Southern Miss fan, if you're Jay Hobson, if you're Dr. Rodney Bennett, even if you hear Art Briles' side of the story and you hear a man who admits he made mistakes in the way he monitored his program, he insulated himself from knowing things that he should have known as the head coach. He can explain away. He's contrite. He's a different man. Can you get comfortable with hiring the guy whom, one, you have this many real legitimate concerning questions about, and two, is part of an ongoing NCAA investigation and part of an ongoing Title IX investigation? Can can you get behind that and make this hire? It's got to be difficult under any circumstance, to hire a guy who you know at the press conference someone's going to bring up rape. I mean, that, that's, that's, that, that requires, you, you got to, you know, I think we talked about yesterday, you got to be all in on this hire. Everybody's got to be in line. There can't be anybody that USM puts forward at the podium. There can't be anybody who's allowed to speak who isn't, we support Art Bryles 100%. From a Southern Miss angle, I think the most important thing is what happens when these investigations conclude and it's worse than you thought or the NCAA finds... If if it's worse than you thought. That's that's what I said. If it's worse than you thought or if this NCAA investigation finds that he was complicit in these kind of things and gives him a show cause. The uncertainty with the lawsuits and with the investigations... If nothing else, that should steer you away because even if he's a model citizen now and doesn't do anything wrong while he's the offensive coordinator at Southern Miss, what happens when these conclude and it's found that he was complicit in this? 601-879-4395. That's the number for the C Spire text line. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. George in West Point says, I say let these people hire who they want, knowing this about this coach. Then if the same thing happens at Southern, then Southern should lose their accreditation as a university. Football program, yeah, okay. He wants major punishments if there's... A repeat incident. Um, Josh 
says that Rippy is wrong. It will not be a disaster. He says, I think that most Southern Miss fans are happy with Art Bryles being hired. That's and, not what will make it a disaster or not a disaster. Because if they start winning games, people start paying attention. Do they? Yeah. Because of how they're winning games and who is helping but, them win games. Uh, but, I mean, I, I'm not being flippant when I'm saying that. I'm saying, no. You're, but let's say that Southern Miss goes 11-1 and next year. Does anybody nationally really pay attention? I mean, that's a, that's a great point because during the back end of the college football season, on college game day before Ohio State played Michigan, they ran puff pieces on Urban Meyer and overcoming adversity. It's a little bit different, but in that season, the allegation came out that he helped cover up a known domestic abuser on his staff, and a few months later, because they won a bunch of ball games, he is now overcoming adversity. Not that you're not to be flipping or anything, but if Southern Miss goes eleven and one next year, they either beat Mississippi State or Alabama, one of the two. That would that would garner some attention. Sure. And here's one here's the other thing to think about this. This feels to me like Browse is trying to get his foot back in the door, and then next year some co- some other school can come in and go, Well, he's already got another job, so now we can make him the head coach. Well, I mean, it might just be a one-year deal. Th- this is the bridge for Art right. Riles exactly. back into the college game. Exactly. Is it a bridge that goes any farther? Who knows? Oh, it, he, if he gets this job, he'll be a head coach in, in a season or two. One too many games, not to be. Yeah. This is just very different. That we don't have precedent on this. No, we don't. Uh, Rippy, you said it would be a disaster. What's your basis for saying it'll be a disaster? Do you mean? If they go through the higher the results on the field will be a disaster, or it's a public relations disaster, what? Public relations. I'm not saying the guy can't coach, but if that's what your definition, if the on-field stuff and all of this is your definition of whether it's success or not, then, I mean, my God. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio with you on a Tuesday afternoon. Interesting, uh... Interesting subject matter right now, and we will see where it goes. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. All right, let's tap the brakes for a minute. Took a little straw poll internally, and everybody said, okay, this is pretty heavy. That's, that's an hour's worth of heavy. Let's tap the brakes, do something else. We'll circle back to this story. I will say, if you want to comment, 601-879-4395, the number for the C Spire text line. C Spire, customer inspired. Wesley, I don't want you to think I'm ignoring you on Twitter at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. I don't think I can read your tweet verbatim. But the gist of it is, don't think Southern Miss should hire someone who wasn't the one who committed the crime, but voted for and supported and admitted... Uh, Yeah. We can't say that word. That's talk- a word we can't say. I don't know if we can say the clean version of yeah. that word either. Uh, talking about um, let's just the say, president's let's issues just the, leading yeah. up to the campaign. Then support Trump. That, yes. That's what they said. He's saying, uh, he's saying, okay, I understand. I got it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if those two things are mutually exclusive. Maybe. We appreciate the uh, the interaction. Rippy, that hit you hard, didn't it? What? I thought I just heard a big, deep breath, like, oh, where do we go with this? I mean, it's just the mental gymnastics you'd have to go through to justify this is just mind-boggling to me, but whatever. 
I, I don't know if it's mental gymnastics. I think it's really simple. Wins over everything else. Fans want to win. They want to win so badly. They're willing to look overlook almost anything to, to do it. And look, I mean, I mean can't, can't we in reality point out instances? Let's just, let's just say with whoever you are a fan of, whether you're a fan of Southern Miss, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, UAB, Nebraska, etc., there is something, there is an incident, at least an incident, that you can point to where you go, yeah, I'm not okay with that, but I'm willing to look the other way because it's for the betterment of our win-loss record. Yes? 100%. Yeah, this is just so different than any example we have before. I agree with that, too. Yeah, I mean... Hey, I, I've got this, this SB Nation story up where they obtained the documents from the third-party investigative report and some of these things in here it's plausible deniabilities out of the window it is i have the original i believe there's the espn one where he was faced like somebody explained to him basically allegations of a gang rape and his reaction was quote those are some bad dudes why was she around those guys i mean my god There's no, there's nothing positive about this. It's 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 all going to be negative, until you know. And but until what? Until, until it just goes away? It's not going to go away. Is it not? See, we don't have precedent for this. I mentioned in the earlier segment. But Ur- doesn't everything go away? This is just different. Well, not really. I mean, it's not. We had a president. Talking football, sports. No, no, no. I understand, but but I'm going to go bigger example than sports and football. Had a president who, on an Easter Sunday morning in the Oval Office, had what happened happen. It's still talked about to this day, though. But it went away. Well, he's beloved now by about half the country. Oh no, I'd say by way more than half the more country. Than half. Democrats overwhelmingly love him, and I'd say half of Republicans love Bill Clinton at this point. Even still, aside, what, he, what he did in the Oval Office was a consensual act. Yeah, I understand, but my point is a massive news story yeah. in which it just kind of went away eventually. Well, it, this may go away eventually, but it's not going to go away today. And today we have to talk about it, and today it's, it's news. It, it, this is just so different than that, though. It is. I mean, that, that's politics. That, that's that's a grown man having a relationship with a grown woman. This is a football coach, a leader of a program at a religious, a Baptist university, saying those are some bad dudes. Why was she around those dudes when talking about young kids that he's supposed to see over allegedly involved in a gang rape? You're going to bring the dude back around to college three years later. There are young female students at that school. If he cheated on his wife or had some NCAA troubles, it would be different. I don't know if it's going away. And maybe they think it will, and maybe it does. Urban Meyer harboring a domestic abuser is going away.
So, I mean, we celebrated Urban Meyer for the last, not we, but I mean, Urban Meyer was celebrated for the last two weeks of the season, the last month of the season. They kept calling it overcoming adversity. I just, I I think if Southern Miss hires him, they weather the initial backlash, they weather the initial storm, and then they go on about their business and people at least on a regular basis, stop asking questions. You're probably right. Sports Talk Mississippi, one hour in the books with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. We'll get to some of your reaction on the C Spire text line coming up after this. One hour in the books. We've got a whole bunch more coming up with you this afternoon. Stephen Godfrey will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line coming up at uh, 420 this afternoon. And Luke Johnson will join us, co-host of the Eagle Hour, coming up today in the 5 o'clock hour. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott, Rippy, Michael Borky, and you on Sports Talk Mississippi, brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can find them online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Fantastic people at Mississippi Land Bank where they have been financing land for a little over 100 years. They've been providing financing and refinancing solutions for families, individuals, farmers, and groups that want to purchase rural land and need to finance that purchase. Financing and refinancing solutions for improvements to property, equipment to maintain the property, production loans, livestock loans, and other related financial needs. They kind of do it all. And they're kind of everywhere in North Mississippi. Senatobia, Clarksdale, Cleveland, Indianola, Corinth, Tupelo, New Albany, Starkville, Kosciuszko, and Louisville. That, those are the branch locations for Mississippi Land Bank. MSLandBank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Uh, let's switch gears for a little while. Let's talk some hoops. Got basketball coming your way tonight, although it's not basketball involving either Ole Miss or Mississippi State. Four games and four big home favorites. Kentucky is a 16-point home favorite tonight against the South Carolina team that's only got two losses in league play. What, somebody asked me this the other day. What's the breaking point? Where when, when do you stop saying that the South Carolina loss is a bad loss for Mississippi State? When they're not ranked 100 in the net. It's, it's, it's just their net. I mean, I, I mean, that's, a, that's all that, they look at in the committee room. Yeah. Because that's not a bad basketball team. I mean, I, I've seen South Carolina three times. I saw them beat Missouri in Columbia. I saw them lose to Oklahoma State uh, in Stillwater. And then this past weekend, I saw them beat Georgia. Saying you watch South Carolina beat Missouri in Columbia doesn't clear up what the game was. Oh, yeah. Uh, Columbia, South Carolina, <laughs> where we had to wait a day because Columbia, Missouri's oh, yeah, Tigers right, yeah. Yeah. couldn't quite get there. Uh, because of poor planning or snow or something. Um, I think South Carolina is good. I don't think they're great. Are they better than what they showed in the non-conference? Yes. Okay. Far better. Look, here's the deal. So South Carolina is at like, what, 103 in the – yeah, 103 in the net, South Carolina is. If you erase two losses on their resume, then they're at 65. Yeah. If you erase their bad loss at Wyoming, where they played like absolute garbage, and then you erase their loss to Stony Brook, they're at 65. Yeah. 
They've also got a loss to Wofford in there. Wofford's not a bad team. They're not a bad team. It's not a great loss, though. Yeah. They're like 40 in the net somewhere around there. Yeah, so that one's not killing you. But if you erase Wyoming and Stony Brook, instead of being 103, you're 65. Yeah. They were plagued with injuries early. Um, so, it's, I mean, it's a reasonable question. Hey, Rippy, what about four big home favorites? Is, is that a little bit scary? From a recreational purposes only standpoint. I mean, probably a South Carolina, right? Because they haven't really, other than LSU, unless I'm missing a game, they haven't really been blown out by anybody. Like, Martin seems to have them so schemed up and screwed down, particularly in half-court offense, they kind of find a way to stay in game. So, yeah. I mean, 60, I, I mean, obviously, I guess Vegas knows what it's doing, but 16 points seems like a lot for a team that's been competitive in most all the games they've played in and beaten a couple pretty good teams. I think this is an easy question. Would you rather – we'll play the little uh, I give you a $100 bill, you got to bet one of the two games scenario. Are you betting South Carolina plus 16 or Missouri plus 18 at Tennessee? Um. Oh, I think it's pretty easy. I think it's South Carolina. I mean, I watched what Missouri did at Auburn a week ago. With, what, that game was almost 30 points? So, like – what do you think Tennessee would do to him? And, and I, I'm not a big believer in this, but like, don't you think there's some kind of added oomph, motivation, whatever you want to call it, to it with the whole Conzo Martin coming back thing? Yeah, I think I, I, if you said that to me, I had to bet the hundred dollars. I would bet South Carolina easily over Missouri. I think Tennessee is sort of locked in right this second. They're playing good basketball. They, they've beaten down the last two teams they've played. Yeah, at home. And, and, and what Rippy said, there'll, there'll be a little bit of uh, Quanzo Martin coming back. That they'll, they'll. I don't know. Quanzo. It, it doesn't matter what his it name does. is. It does not. It matters that you don't say his name right. It does. It does. Now you're just doing it out of principle. I might be. I might be the head coach of Missouri. You, you did that just to get a reaction out of me. It worked. I know that. I'm going to throw this at you. Don't, this you, is the place where I throw things. You threw at that you. at me once before. I, hey, I, it's I, full, gonna, by the way. I'm this gonna, time I'm going to fire back if you throw anything this the time. The Clorox disinfecting wipes. That who uses these more? Do you, do you think Gallo, JT, or Rebecca? That's a JT thing. I think is the highest user, highest rate user of the Clorox wipes. My guess is Gallo. I would think so too. Gallo strikes me as somebody that would be a germaphobe, especially because he's up here at 3 a.m. Yeah, every morning, 3 a.m. That guy. I mean, I certainly could see Rebecca giving it a you know a quick. And, and then JT's one way or the other, right? He either is a complete germaphobe where he wipes down every square inch, or he's like me, he just sits down, doesn't touch it, doesn't care. I've written the board for him before. I don't even remember which one he was. Yeah, I'm gonna say he's not a germaphobe. I don't think. No. Just regardless, if you throw that at me, I'm going to fire it back at you. It's going to happen. I'll catch it. I, I gave you one. I'll catch it. You won't. You might. You might. Anyway, Arkansas is an eight-point favorite at home tonight against poor Vanderbilt. Ugh, God, Vanderbilt. Uh, Auburn. Hey, the perfect season still intact for them. They'll get a win. 0-18, oh, man. They'll get they're, a win. They're continuing some. to play hard to their credit. Exactly. They, they, they will eventually have some shots fall and get a win. And uh, Auburn is an eight-point favorite at home against Florida. Another opportunity. Every for time I fall in love with Auburn, don't do it. It's, but Wiley might be back tonight. I don't know if that's that. That, well, that I, changes things for them. Yeah, 
That is another opportunity for Florida, though, right? I'm just telling you, in that building. Yeah, it's a zoo. Oh, my goodness. Goodness. Scott in Clinton says he bets that Perez is the king of the Clorox wipes. Well, they would be in the Borky box then, not in the... uh, Oh, no, Perez would not leave them behind for anybody else to use. Okay. He He would bring them with him and then take them with him when he leaves. Uh, Richard and Wiggins votes that Garden Mama would be the one who would wipe everything down with Clorox wipes. I don't know. I mean, somebody that has spent that much of their life kind of getting dirt under their fingernails? Yeah, that's not it. That's, she's not it, no. The Garden Mama Nellie Neal. On Saturday. I mean, what a great way to start your day, especially this time of year on Saturday mornings. Um, three games tomorrow night. Borky, is it tonight that you think the slate of games is miserable? I mean, you have a 16, 18, 8, and 8 point favorite all on the road tonight, or underdog all on the road tonight. So, yeah, tonight's abysmal. Tomorrow is not much better, but at least we have some local f- flavor to spice it up a little bit. AM at Ole Miss, Georgia at Alabama, and then a game that I think is really interesting and really compelling LSU at Mississippi State. See, here's, here's what's most interesting to me about LSU going to Starkville tomorrow night. Okay. What I want to know is, did the loss for LSU to a bad Arkansas team, is that exactly what Will Wade needed to happen? So is it going to like re-energize them? Well, is it just going to drive home the point that you can't just not play for 25 minutes of the game and expect to win? Yeah. Because I wonder if a win against Arkansas would have served as more fool's goal. Possibly. After trailing by 14 on the road at Missouri and coming back to win in overtime, and then turning around and trailing by 18 at home to Arkansas and then coming back to win in regulation. Rippy, am I on to anything there? With what? With, with maybe Will Wade actually needed LSU to lose that basketball game and not have Tremont Waters' ill-advised alley-oop with 38 seconds left to go unpunished. And to have a night where they were awful defensively for the first 25 minutes of the game go unpunished. I mean, maybe to some degree, as to something to tangibly to point at to how quickly your season can end in March if you do something like that. But at the same time, that was kind of on brand with how they played at times this year, right? I mean, they... They don't always quite piece it together. Yeah, but I mean that, that's kind of my point, is the, the capability is there. So, again, back to why I think tomorrow night's interesting. I want to know if Will Wade has been able to get his team's attention to lock in for an entire game to go along with that absurd level of talent. Or if this is just going to be that team, it just kind of floats up and down. Maybe they play defense. Maybe they don't play defense. Ah, we can make shots. We can get ourselves dig ourselves out of a hole. Sometimes the hole's too deep. Sometimes the hole is just too deep. Stephen Godfrey coming up next on the Farm Bureau phone line. Like little gin blossoms on a Tuesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, and you on this Tuesday. Sports Talk brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank right now on the Farm Bureau phone line. Stephen Godfrey, check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Stephen Godfrey from SB Nation. 
Stephen, the story that, that kind of is dominating uh, the headlines today in Mississippi has to do with Southern Miss and uh, the possibility that, uh, that Jay Hobson is going to hire Art Bryles. What, what's your reaction to this story and whether or not it makes sense and whether or not it's, it's something that, um, that Southern Miss could survive from a PR standpoint? Well, you know, it, it makes sense on a, in a pure football terms. You know, I, he's definitely an accomplished coach, and, uh, you know, I think the system would, would benefit Southern Miss. But um, I don't think Art Bryles is entirely unique. I, I mean, I think what Art Bryles did, and again, we're just talking in the context of football here. I think Art Bryles was part of a larger movement, and, and that specifically was sort of the Texas air raid that was born out of the high school ranks there and how that changed college football. Um, if you want that offense, if you're Jay Hobson and Southern Miss, there are a lot of people you can go out and hire right now, today, uh, who will not give you the PR issues that Southern Miss is now facing by interviewing Art Bryles. Is there anything that's unique about the way Art Bryles runs that offense? Well, you know what? He, he definitely put his fingerprint on it. There's a lot of unique things that came out of Baylor uh, between he and his son and what they did specifically, uh, definitely. But football is all about imitation and iteration. And I don't think that, you know, Art was uh, very gifted at what he did. He understood the state of Texas very well, especially the recruiting, obviously, coming up from Stephenville High School. But. Again, I, I don't know if there's there's anyone I've talked to in college football that said, you know, art provides you something singular and unique, especially at a place like Southern Miss. I think you could find an air raid disciple or a young uh, intuitive coach who understands this system and have none of these headlines right now. Steven, you were at the college football convention a, a few weeks back. I know you talked to coaches kind of from all over the country on a pretty regular basis. What have other coaches said – um, about Art Bryles, about that situation. Did they believe that he would get another chance? Did they you know, specify a timeline for when that might happen again? No one's ever really specified a timeline. I think that no one in college sports believes that anyone has gone forever. You know, Death is the only permanent solution, and I'm not trying to be morbid, but I've said this on the show before. Bobby Petrino was coaching a college football team less than 24 months after hiring his mistress to a job at a public university um, and then being caught with that mistress. There's really no there's no critical mass for morality in, in college sports. There's just too much money at stake. Um, hey, say that sentence out loud again for me. Bobby Petrino hired his mistress to work at a public university as his subordinate. I mean, there's some lunacy there when you say it out loud and you really think about what it is that you're saying. Right. I mean, that's, well, that, that, that's a federal violation uh, if it were to occur for the federal government. It should have been, I can't remember the specifics at the time, there was a potential uh, lawsuit in state court in Arkansas based on the hiring discrimination because he did hire someone he was having an affair with and she was his immediate subordinate. It goes by state law in that instance. Mm. These are the fun things you learn as a sports writer, by the way. You don't get to talk about, like, screen passes. You get to figure out state hiring law. Listen, I realize we just we're chasing rabbits now. But Bobby Petrino's issue was not related to a motorcycle and a neck brace. That was no. that was easy to overcome. I mean the state police were gonna help cover that up. Yes. But they can't help very... cover up hiring a mistress. Well I mean that's ultimately what undid him. It was not the it was not the having an affair. It's and lying to his boss about it also. 
Correct. Yeah, no. Having an affair with fire, I would say, I don't want to even put a number on it, but a substantial amount of college football coaches will be out of a job right now. That's the sole reason. Oh, you should definitely put a number on it. No, I know I can right now, but I'm not good, buddy. Uh, A good amount. How's that? Um, I I have names flashing in my head right now, but again, discretion is the better part of valor. Um, Having an extramarital affair is not going to get you fired. Lying to your boss, and then specifically in Petrino's case, the hiring practices that went on with his mistress, that's what got him fired. Hugh Freeze did not get fired for contacting escort services. Um, He got fired really kind of on a technicality, because he used a phone to do it, and because of, uh, you know, we won't, we won't have to go down the old Miss Rabbit Hole. It's usually the cover-up, it's not the crime. And that does apply back to Bryles in this instance, except that the crimes were heinous. Um, I, I do not think that our Bryles would be in this situation today if, those, if the first, first round, and I'm trying not to be flippant about what we're talking about here, it's just that we're in the theater of the absurd, I think if the first series of those sexual assaults had occurred and Bryles had gone through a more proper uh, uh, channels of disclosure, I, I think he would still be a football coach. Absolutely. Um, it was the fact that there was a systematic methodology for covering that up and also influencing victims to not disclose that to police. So, I mean, here's you know, what's interesting to me. I spent a long time on the phone with Mac Engel, and we talked with him on the show earlier today. He said there were people on the Board of Regents at Baylor who did not want to fire Art Bryles when they fired him. Yeah, that doesn't shock me at all. I know of a couple that I interviewed after the fact that, yeah, this was, I mean, they considered it to be crippling, uh, a death blow. I I mean, look, again, there's not a situation in which I can recall a unanimous decision made on a coach because of morality. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I'll, let's go ahead and invoke everything. Joe Paterno, the decision to dismiss Joe Paterno was wildly unpopular by those in circles of power and influence at Penn State and the state of Pennsylvania and the state legislature. Wildly unpopular. People with influence and sway in the state of Pennsylvania wanted Joe Paterno to be their head coach after everything had been disclosed in that case. So that doesn't shock me at all. Our Browse is a damn good football coach, and when you're a damn good football coach, there is an almost unstoppable equity in this business with that. Stephen Godfrey, SB Nation, on your radio. I used a really out-there analogy. By the way, I'm switching gears on you. Uh, a few weeks mm-hmm. ago, I was sitting in this chair, and I said, you remember when you were in high school and college, and you were with a group of girls, and one of them had to go to the bathroom? What happened? All of them went to the bathroom. Right? So, so it was like a group mentality. Like, it, it just couldn't happen. It wasn't a just one thing. It was everybody got up and went to the restroom at the same time. And yeah, I then I equated that to NCAA member institutions biting back at the NCAA. Mm-hmm. If just one does it, nothing's going to happen. If you have one do it here and one do it here, nothing's going to happen. But if you okay. get into, like, a group mentality where multiple big players are biting back, could we see reform with the way investigations are handled? And and I'm alluding to the fact that Jeff Long, publicly this week, uh, tells the NCAA basically that they're corrupt in the way they handled an investigation of Silvio D'Souza. And last week you had John Sunvold, who's a television analyst at the SEC Network and chairman of the Board of Trustees at Missouri, basically say, it's unfair and you're wrong and you need to fix this. 
Well, it is unfair. It is wrong. They do need to fix it. Um, I've spent more time than I want to investigating the people who do the investigating at the NCAA. And, you know, a lot of people worked for an exhaustive amount of time just with the Mississippi story. Um, it's funny. But here's the deal with the NCAA, and, and I have to repeat this over and over again. The NCAA is essentially the schools. Remember, it's member right. institutions. Okay, so people always want to talk about the NCAA as a third party. And yes, they are. There's an organization, people who are full-time salaried employees of an organization based in Indianapolis. However, every single thing they do, and enforcement will tell you this on and off the record all the time, is simply the will of the constituency. We are here at the leisure of the membership. They always talk about the membership. Um, There's one thing, Richard, that would cause... Uh, the membership to affect significant change in enforcement, and that's the revenue model. So the situation in Missouri, the situation in Ole Miss, the situation, uh, really everything post-Miami and the NCAA hasn't really affected revenue. And so until you can get to a point where member institutions feel like enforcement is hampering the sport from a financial standpoint, I don't see what they could do. I really don't. And again, enforcement is largely for show. As we all know, I think with anyone with a rational mind knows, enforcement exists to to go after a select group of of cases that can justify the existence of enforcement. We all know that systematically, this is an unpaid labor force. Of course, these kids are receiving benefits almost on a daily basis that are technically against the rules. You need more than enforcement. Basically, I don't think targeting enforcement would fix it. I think you have to look at it from a revenue model. And right now, everyone is still making money. And I guess as long as the cash register is ringing, yes, sir. then we will keep making withdrawals. The NCAA tournament will make another billion dollars in six weeks. It doesn't matter that they, that kid at Kansas got they, completely screwed. They could make a billion dollars, though, even if the NCAA wasn't running the show. You would think they'd figure that out eventually. You don't always need a middleman to move your product. Nope. But with president, yeah, never mind. Hey, man, thanks for your time. Good stuff this afternoon. Yes, sir. Stephen Godfrey, SB Nation, Farm Bureau phone line. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Here we go, Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock with you Tuesday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott, Rippy. I don't know why I did that, but I did. <laughs> Can't take it back now, cannot put... Hey, Rippy, what'd you make on the ACT? 26. We are all up in people's business today, getting yeah, weights. Yeah, just kind of getting scores. to know you, getting to what'd know... What'd you get, Cross? 27. All right. You? Oh, 26. Did you say that because I said 26? Borky, what'd you make? 28. So we're all right there nah, together. Look at Borky's like, whatever they say, I'm going one over. Oh, no, I did. <laughs> I was really good at math and science, even though I wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, here, here's the crazy thing for me. So I don't think I'm fudging these numbers. I made a 34 in the English and a 31 in the reading. And then in the... Well, we got math, and then what's the other category? There are four science, categories, science, right? Science. Yeah. So science, I got like a 24 or something like that. I made a 13 in the math. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, I, I'm, like a, I'm like a 
passable score in the math from having like a 31 on the ACT. A 13 is like 4 plus 4 equals 9 type stuff. Yeah, well, maybe it was a maybe it was a 16, I don't know. But it was way off Ooh. from like if we had taken a 3 score average, I had a 30 on the ACT. You picked the right profession then. Putting that fourth one in there didn't uh, didn't go so well. There's a reason that I ask those questions. First, though, I'll tell you that Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank Online, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. They've been financing land for over 100 years at Mississippi Land Bank, and it doesn't matter if you're a farmer or not. If you are a farmer, they can help you with crop loans and refinancing maybe an existing loan or equipment loans or just buying a new piece of property. Not a farmer? How can they help? Well, buying a piece of property, building a dream house, all the above, you're in good shape. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. It's turning into uh, tell your ACT scores on the C Spire text line. I think we should all take the um, Wonderlick test. This was uh, 20, 26 that. in math, 24 in English, 23 in science, 11 in history. That was in 1979. Read a book, man! <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, sine, cosine, algebraic, formulaic, blah, 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 algorithm. Not to go off on a tangent here, though. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, that was a math joke, Susie. What you got? Uh, I'm throwing yeah, something at you. got it. Throwing something at you again. Uh, so why would I bring all of that up? There is a kid, Rippy, named, uh, it's a pretty good baseball name, Derek Diamond. Like that's not real, right? Like his family changed his name once they found out that he was a really good ball player. That can't be real on its own. Rippy, can you imagine having a four zero in school, ripping off a twenty seven on the ACT, and having a college tell you, "Sorry, it's not quite good enough to be in school here." No, I cannot because I never had that happen to me. Yeah, well, try to stretch your mind a little bit. That's what happened to Derek Diamond. Was committed to Stanford, had a four zero twenty seven on the ACT. There's no automatic admission or preferential admission at Stanford. He didn't get in. Oof. That's rough. A 4.0 and a 27, which obviously on a 36-point scale is not the highest out there, but it's better than average. Maybe a lot better than average. And you can't get in. When they want you to come to play there, how hard is that job? You think if Tim Corbin had a guy that made a 4-0 with a 27 on his ACT and he wanted to get him into Vanderbilt, they'd figure out a way to make it happen? He's starting at first base opening day. Holy cow. And they wouldn't have to use any – well, I guess they would have to use 25%, but they wouldn't have to use any more of that out of the 11.7. They'd give him a 25% scholarship, and then the other 75% would come from need-based aid. He'd have a full scholarship to Vanderbilt and the education diploma to go with it. And probably throws 92 if they put him on the mound. Yeah, you're you're right. So what do we need to know about Derek Diamond? He throws 92 if you put him on the mound? Rippy? If he went to Vanderbilt, he would. No, I'm saying... Ole Miss got a commitment from him. What do we need to know about Derek Diamond? Anything? Uh, look, All-American kid. A kid that will probably end up going to college, though I, I guess that's you know far from decided yet, but a pretty pretty big deal from Bianco. Okay. I was not aware this kid had committed to Ole Miss, and I was wondering where you got this story from and like why we were talking so much about it. And now I get it. 
Yeah, he was the number two player in the state of California, committed to Stanford, couldn't get in, opened okay. his commitment back up. It was LSU and Ole Miss and some other schools, and okay. he just committed to Ole Miss. Uh, now it all makes That sense. was the whole rationale and all that. Sorry, if that was... You lost me there for a second with the Stanford thing. Yeah. You didn't know. What? You don't realize that sometimes I do homework and a little background research? You think I solely rely on Michael Borky? Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of times I do. A lot of times I do. Uh... And we've gotten off a little bit. It's time right now for the college football fix. It's driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. How do you do that? Well, you can start out online at buyfordnow.com. Take a look at them. Look at all the pretty pictures and see about the kind of engine that you can get and what the trim's like on the inside. And all that stuff's nice and good. But you know what you really want to do? You want to ease up. You know, hop in whatever it is that you're currently driving. Drive that to your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Test drive one of those F-150s. And then you'll go home in the best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years. All right. National Signing Day is tomorrow. Is it really? Let me ask you a question. Is National Signing Day really tomorrow? And we haven't talked much about what this show was before Rippy and, and I came on, but... Prior to the early signing day, yeah. what was the day before National Signing Day like on this show? It had to be all wall-to-wall recruiting. We right? didn't talk about 100-pound weight loss. Probably not, right? So here we are. Signing day is tomorrow, and this is our segment on recruiting. Now, we talked a lot of recruiting back in December when all that was going on. but And, and I led it with a baseball recruit. Yeah. <laughs> the early signing day has done its job of taking – if their 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 focus was – to take some of the pomp and circumstance out of recruiting, they've done it. They've done it. Hmm. Which is probably for the best. I agree. Because I'm old. Uh, are you okay with that? Do you miss Do you miss no. signing day? No. I've always been one of those guys that's like, just let them sign whenever they want to sign. Why is there going to be a day? Look, I mean, we, we've done a bunch of different Interesting things on National Signing Day. We've done a a live show from the lobby of C Spire where we had a great big stage set up and a huge backdrop and extended the hours. We did like a five-hour show one year with awesome catered food, too. I mean, it was an event. Why can't we do that? Wait, no. No. Because you're you're losing weight. No. Yeah. Um, So we've done that. We've been to Tico's before on National Signing Day. We did that one year. It's all food-related, man. Be glad it's all in the rearview mirror. Just no potato no to go potato. with it. There you go. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's sort of it's sort of down. Somebody somebody sent me a message on Twitter yesterday. I just saw it in passing. It said, "Hey, where's Ole Miss's recruiting national signing day big party going to be?" There's not one. Kirby Smart's not even having a press conference at Georgia. Just gonna. Is, is everybody else having press conferences? Moorhead has one tomorrow at two p.m. For how many commitments? Uh, he's got or signees. Five, he's got five commitments that they expect to sign, and then they're hoping to get you know two or three more kids. Okay, Rippy for Ole Miss, it's they could take seven. Is that right? Yes, and they have a press conference as well. Okay, I believe it's at two o'clock. Kind of like Kirby Smart style on this. Yeah. I think I think they said you know if something unusual happens if somebody big decides to go to Georgia they're not planning they might he might go out there yeah okay. but they're not planning for it right now. Speaking of Kirby Smart, saw an article just a few minutes ago that uh, explains that 
he will not, and it called Barry Odom to tell him that he will not poach any of his seniors because of the bull ban, as if like he's pulling a big character move and not just I, doing that I'm for nice. PR because he doesn't actually need any of Missouri's seniors. Yeah. Wow. Um, so Ole Miss got a quarterback commitment last night. Is that correct? John Reese Plumley. Is it Rice or Reese Plumley? <laughs> no, I'm being serious. Four experts. Um, we are your experts for sports talk here in the Soul video where the person said Rice. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think that had been a point of contention, I believe. I'm sorry. John Rice Plumley. I will never mistake that. make that mistake again. Out of Oak Grove. He's going to decommit now because you said that on the air. One of two unsigned four-star quarterbacks from... The 2019 class. Now, how do you pronounce the other one? Lance Legend Legendier. It's a cool name. Legend. Wait for it. Dairy. How about your mother, Richard? Somebody give this guy a Coke. (laughs) Somebody give him a Coca Cola. Giving away my references in there. Either they get it or they don't. Yes. Um. So Plumley. Uh, commits to Ole Miss last night out of Oak Grove High School. Interesting recruitment. He was committed to Georgia, and then that kind of went sideways. All right, so I kind of butchered the whole John Rice Plumley thing. So the story is, if you've not followed recruiting this year, John Rice Plumley uh, Plumley was committed out of Oak Grove to Georgia. And that commitment happened in June of 2018. He started looking at other programs back in December when Georgia's coaches asked him to accept a blue shirt offer. I admit that I get a little, hold on, explain that again, when we go from red shirt to gray shirt to blue shirt. What's a blue shirt? A blue shirt is, I'm I'm, I'm not 100%, but... You you know because the gray shirt you de- delay enrollment a semester if I'm correct or you now I'm not 100 percent sure now I'm gonna have to Google it Gah. Rippy you want to take a shot at it not on scholarship until classes start in the fall and his scholarship would count towards the 2020 total okay so there's your blue shirt should ask him first I could have avoided I, I, like I guess I should have but was that the only thing that kind of got him frustrated with Georgia. They signed two other quarterbacks as well. I'm sure that didn't help. So is Ole Miss. Ole Miss has got two QBs in this class. This is a three QB class. For they Ole have Miss. they have another um, four star quarterback in Grant yeah. Tisdale from Texas, and then is it fair to say though that Tisdale, because he signed and committed to Longo, is more of a Longo stock quarterback, and and Plumlee might be more of a Richrod kind of quarterback. Kincaid Dent also the, from Jackson, yeah. the, the other yeah. the third quarterback in the class. But. That's that's a good question. I, I don't know what a long go quarterback would be. Yeah, I mean because Richard because Tisdale's a, a dual threat quarterback. Yeah, but he's he's very good in the passing game. So it's not like the dual threat quarterback that you see where it's just a really really right. really good athlete that plays quarterback. Can and, he run twenty times a game? Can well, Tisdale do that? If he can, he's, he can run in the Richrod system. The thing about Richrod's offense is it's so adaptable. Okay. Uh, based on personnel. I mean, you've seen it translate I've from... I've heard these things before about adaptable to different schemes. What? Is that a Joe Moorhead it reference? It may have been. It may have yeah. been. What? What'd you say? <laughs> well, 
<laughs> uh, but he does. Have, he has a track record of yeah, play distribution and I, and even yards totals been, based on personnel. I've been saying this for the and not you know I don't go too far in the rabbit hole. But if I said which of these things doesn't fit, and I said Pat White, Denard Robinson, Khalil Tate, and Matt Corral. Corral can move though. He can run, but can he run like those three guys? No. No, but Arizona had a true freshman throw for four thousand yards. You right, know, it, we'll it, see. We'll see. Did Denard Robinson ever do anything at the NFL? No, what? at Michigan. He ran for a lot of yards. They Shoestring. They didn't win a lot right? of games. Yeah, got beat down by Mississippi State in the Gator Bowl. Oh, well, there's that. Uh, Tim and Enterprise says that Tisdale is a dynamic runner. Um, Andy suggests that Georgia is racist. Would be a reference to Justin Fields leaving as well. Um, uh, so are all the recruiting people saying that Jerry and Ely is indeed going to sign with Ole Miss? Yeah, it looks like he's going to get back in the boat. Are, are we still on board with the fact that Jerry and Ely is actually going to sign with a Major League Baseball team, or is there all of a sudden a change of heart? There are people that are saying that, oh, there's a chance now that he shows up to school, and that's... I'm not in the kid's head, but it's just very easy to say that before somebody dangles $4 million in front of your face. I think Kyler Murray has poisoned the well for that. I think baseball teams are going to be like, no, no chance we'll let you play football if we're going to give you this money. No chance. First round money. First round money. Like, you want to get drafted in the 10th round and get $100,000? Sure, go play football. There's, we're not there's, giving you $4 million and then have you come back a year from now. I want to play another year of football. No. And, and interestingly enough, John Rice Plumley falls into the – the dual sport category. Yeah, he can play. Base- He's a good baseball player. Very yeah. good. Won't so, be surprised to see him playing baseball at Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, Rippy, what what do Ole Miss fans need to watch for tomorrow on National Signing Day 2.0? Um, I think it's mostly kind of keeping what you originally thought you were going to have at the end of the early signing period, and namely being Ely and Mingo. So I, I don't think there will be a ton of surprise. Obviously, Ely decommitting, and then it sounds like he's kind of leaning towards back towards Ole Miss. Um, that would, to me, would be the biggest. I don't even know if you call it a surprise, but I guess shift in momentum or shift in thinking. It's just mainly kind of keeping what you think you're going to have. I don't think there will be any huge, huge uh, shock. It really tomorrow. looks at this point with Ely that he decommitted because he wanted to visit Clemson. Yeah, he wanted to visit Clemson. Dabo doesn't take committed players on official visits, so he decommitted so he could make he could make that trip. That's really what it looks like at this point. It would be disingenuous if I didn't say this. Because when we talked about him decommitting from Ole Miss and maybe he goes to Clemson or maybe he goes to Alabama or wherever, our reaction was largely probably doesn't matter. He's going to play yeah. baseball. Yeah. So it would be incredibly disingenuous for me not to say today. As it looks like Jerry and Ely is going to commit to Ole Miss, it probably doesn't matter because he's probably going to play Major League Baseball. Yeah. It's an optics and perception thing, though, like we said at the time. <sighs> but to what end? And that's what I was saying at the time. I said, optics, the only optics that matter, that really matter, are what you do in September through November. I mean, Rippy, I don't disagree with you. Sure, but you're talking about a trying to garner momentum amongst a program and a fan base that doesn't really have any. And so whether the kid actually shows up or not, you know, 
losing him as well as missing out on what they missed out in terms of the top prospects in the state. And the early signing period is just kind of another layer to all of it. I'm not saying it's going to matter. I think it would he's probably help, going it to would play probably help with the class ranking too, wouldn't it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, Which, yeah. what is a class ranking more so than anything, particularly if the kid doesn't show up? It's just perception. Yeah, it's a press release. Exactly. Hey, Dad, what do Mississippi State fans need to be looking out for tomorrow? Uh, obviously, you want to make sure Nathan Pickering gets in the boat, but that looks like that's a done deal. He shut okay. down his recruiting. Uh, you want to watch for Charles Moore, the big kid out of Louisville. Uh, decommitted a few – sort of similar situation. Not, no, I'll take it back. Not really similar, only similar that they decommitted. Uh, but there's been some positive headway for Mississippi State, and now people feel like there's a good chance he could end up back in the class for, with, for, with Mississippi State for Charles Moore. Okay. And then last but not least, an Ole Miss commitment, Jonathan Mingo. Uh, State has been recruiting him incredibly hard the whole time. They need a a, a highlight wide receiver in this class. Uh, so can they flip him? I say no right this second. I think he's going to stick with Ole Miss. But they do feel like there's at least a chance that tomorrow he will sign with Mississippi State. So you're saying there's a chance. That's all recruiting is, isn't it? Saying there's a chance. Borky, you, you're pretty high on Mingo to Mississippi State, right? No, I don't think he's going to go to Mississippi State. That was a more subdued answer than he gave us earlier, hey, Dad. He was a little angrier earlier, or, or, or pepped up. What are you? Now he's was getting, that not supposed to say? Now that? he's angry. No, no, you just kind of laid out the reasons why you didn't think he would choose Mississippi State. Well, because what receiver right now would choose Mississippi State? What elite wide receiver is going there with it's the tough. track record? It's tough, and and it's the same debate that you've had in recent years with Ole Miss and linebackers, right? Right, and it's so chicken or the egg, right? Because if, on one hand, if you're Mississippi State, you can sell, you will come in here and be our feature receiver How on day one. How many balls do you want to catch next year as a freshman? Because we will throw you all of them. But on the other side, it's, well, we haven't put a receiver in the NFL. And it, you're going to look at it from terms of Devontae Jason, four-star kid, highly recruited. He caught one pass last year. You know, Stephen Guidry was the nation's number one JUCO receiver last year. And, I mean, he had... You get twenty plus catches for four hundred plus yards, but that's not what you thought you were getting, you know, when you got there. So, who's the new wide receivers coach at State? Michael Johnson from Oregon, or as Doctor Jack Crystal would say, Oregon. Um, Doctor Jack Crystal. Doctor Jack Crystal. Is that an honor that you have bestowed upon him? The honor that the university bestowed upon him we gave him an honorary doctorate. Gotcha. So, uh, I guess he earned it. it By isn't God, a big part of it having a quarterback that can throw, too? Rippy just hit on it right there. It's like, you don't know what you've got at the quarterback position. I mean, if you're Mingo, you're like, you know, I've seen Corral. He looks okay. Whereas Keaton Thompson, I don't know. I don't know. So This text says M State new wide receiver coach has relationship with Mingo. He That's does. It. He does. They, 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 I think he coached him. Uh, as either some camp or, or an all star game or something that they, they and Oregon was w- recruited him as well. So they, I, it's not like they're best buddies or anything, but they do have some connections. Yeah, maybe they are best buddies, and you just don't. I know. don't know that for sure. Yeah, yes. It could happen. I don't hang out with Michael Johnson or Jonathan Mingo. Did, close relationship with the coach at Oregon when you're from Brandon. Hey man, just it happens. You never know who you're going to bond with these days, man. I mean, yeah. I guess camps all over the place as well. Um, interesting stuff. So National Signing Day Round 2 coming tomorrow. Keep up with me and Rippy on supertalk.fm, I would be willing to imagine. Uh, it would be a good place to do it. I- indeed. You can follow on Twitter, at Brian Haydad, or at B.S. Rippy. Two P's, two E's.
Super Talk Mississippi media production.